Our Old Testament scripture reading for this morning is Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Matthews 5, 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness of, their, of theirs in their kingdom of heaven. Blessed are when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your, is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thank you, Haley and Leslie, for your reading of God's Word today. Our sermon series continues. We've got two more weeks now with this series called Relationship Revolution. We're trying to apply the agape love spoken of famously in 1 Corinthians 13, the more excellent way, as the Apostle Paul calls it. And today we're going to focus on uh, a perplexing issue, and that is how to remain loving in the midst of conflict. 
We know that love should be patient, it should be kind, but in a conflict, that's more of a challenge. Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 13 goes into what love does not do, and it seems especially relevant for this topic. Love does not dishonor others, it is not self seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. From Jesus' teaching in the Beatitudes from his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, we will consider our call to be pure hearted peacemakers. From the Old Testament book of Daniel, we'll learn to navigate conflict with artful negotiation. If the pain of conflict is something that we will find ourselves experiencing sooner or later, we can make sure that we gain from pain through the art of clean conflict. No pain, no gain is something that we have heard. An expression used to motivate and encourage people to persevere in physical training, pushing ourselves through the pain of muscle development through weights and resistance training, pushing ourselves through the pain of exhaustion to extend our endurance, perhaps in running distances, pushing ourselves through the pain of physical therapy so that we might return to form after an injury or a surgery. I reflected on this, this, the pain and gain connection last night as I was watching uh, the, the final American medal of the Winter Olympics, the very end of the 30-kilometer cross-country race when American Uh, racer Jesse Diggins came across the finish line in silver medal position and then just literally right on the other side of the line some of you may have seen it she just collapsed collapsed because over the pat the last like eight kilometers of this race she was barely hanging on she was living in pain And yet she wasn't a stranger to this kind of pain because to be one of the best long-distance Nordic skiers in the world, she has had to push herself through pain in practice over and over again to gain the endurance necessary for that winning moment. No pain, no gain might take on fresh significance for another American skier, Michaela Schifrin who finds herself in a position to persevere through the mental pain of unrealized expectations. As one of the world's best, really one of the world's all-time best alpine skiers who in this Olympics performed far below what she is capable of. But the opportunity to learn from this experience is there. If you are going to go through times like that, you might as well make it count count for good. Another way to look at these situations is that if there's going to be, make, be pain, make sure there's a gain that comes from it. Something good can come out of it. And we have some control over that. It's worth the hard work. And this is certainly true of our experience of conflict in our relationships. Let's take a look at our calling 
as pure-hearted peacemakers. A first foundational step is to remember who Jesus calls us to be in all circumstances, committed to being pure-hearted peacemakers even in the midst of relational conflict. I'd like to read verses 7 through 9 of the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Famously in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us to an ethical principle, raises an ethical bar, and then doesn't give us an out. These are not situational ethics. These are, this is Jesus' way. And so in all circumstances, yes, even in times of conflict, Jesus calls us to live that blessed life, a blessed life of mercy, of being pure in heart, of being peacemakers. Unresolved conflict causes a lot of pain in relationships, but in the church, it also calls our deepest convictions into question. What do we do when the peacemakers that Jesus calls blessed find themselves embroiled in conflict? Obviously, Jesus' call to peacemaking is just for such situations, to bring gain from pain. Peacemaking is not about just pacifying or appeasing someone so that no one gets upset. That's not the peacemaking Jesus is talking about. And all you have to do to know that is read through the rest of the Gospels and realize that Jesus himself did not follow that strategy. There is necessary conflict. And yet, when we look to Jesus, he wasn't afraid to engage conflict, but he did so with this purity of heart, with the mercy that he also speaks of in the Beatitudes. The purity of heart is what our peacemaking is built upon. And in the Beatitudes, it's associated with seeing God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Peacemakers pursue clean conflict. And how they can do that is they keep their eyes on God. Not on the problem, not on the person they're in conflict with, but on God. Like an athlete in physical training who focuses on the goal to persevere through the pain. In the discomfort of conflict, we keep our eyes on the prize of peace, with God as the source of strength and guidance, and God's peace as our goal. We recall Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, especially in times of conflict. I add that. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. At this point, convicted and convinced that Christ calls us to be pure-hearted peacemakers, even in conflict. We might learn some skills 
from a scene in Scripture when Daniel, Old Testament character, found himself in a situation of conflict and how he responded with creativity. Well, in the first chapter of Daniel, we meet Daniel and we meet three of Daniel's friends who are listed uh, by according to their Hebrew names. And earlier in chapter 1, we didn't read this uh, in our scripture passage today, but you learn their, in not only their Hebrew names, but you learn their Babylonian names. Uh, they got new names when they were deported from Jerusalem. Uh, the king of Babylon took them to serve his court uh, in Babylon, and it was kind of like a training uh, session. It was, a, it was taking the brightest and best of the Israelites to train to serve the king, and that was one way that uh, the Babylonian Empire chose to kind of unite the, 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 their, uh, the peoples that they have conquered. And so you learn the Hebrew names of Daniel and his friends, uh, but many of us know are more familiar with their Babylonian names. Daniel's is Belteshazzar, which isn't repeated a whole lot in Daniel. Usually Daniel's referred to as Daniel, but the other three friends we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's right. Well, we're talking at Daniel, and these three friends of his have a conflict. Uh, the training that they are undergoing requires them to, to uh, eat certain foods, these royal foods and this royal wine. And it doesn't go, the text doesn't go into detail exactly why, but it's very clear that for Daniel, this is a moment of conscience, that he feels like he cannot honor God and eat this food and drink this wine. It's this first conflict that he encounters in this class of clashes, clash of culture and religion. But God helps Daniel navigate conflict through artful negotiation. It's a very interesting scene. The first, there's really three steps that, that Daniel takes here. First is conscientious resolve. It begins when, when Daniel has a moment of conscience and decides, resolves, to bring it up, to say something about it. When we're in conflict, isn't it, it always so tempting to, to not take that step? It's a hard step to take when we realize that we have to step up and we have to bring it up. But that's what Daniel does in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. So he made a decision. It starts within putting in the hard work and the heart work that we talked about last week. Conscientious resolve is where it begins. But then it moves into respectful appeal. Continuing in verse 8, Daniel asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel actually asks permission. Now, this is an appeal to authority. What, what makes something an appeal rather than a demand is that an appeal respects the authority of the one you're going to. So if you wanted a raise, for instance, and you went to your boss's office and you made an appeal, you would put that communication into the form of recognizing 
respecting the boss's position and, and uh, kind of uh, helping convince them that it's in their best interest and the company's best interest to give you a raise. Now, the opposite of that is going into your boss's office just flat out demanding to be paid more. And of course, which one might be more successful? Common sense, right? Well, Daniel follows that with a, a respectful appeal. But what comes with this is prayerfully trusting God to bring about a result that is favorable. Verse 9, we read on and read that, that after Daniel, or right along the same time that Daniel uh, asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself by eating the, the rich food and the wine, the scriptures say that now God has, had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. So we learn that almost from a narrator, right? Daniel has to trust that God has his best interest and that God is involved in this, that God will uh, turn the heart and the mind of this authority toward the need that he's bringing up. Well, the third phase is really where the, the nugget of, of truth and wisdom is in this brief story, and that is Daniel's artful proposal. So he learns from going to this particular chief official that the chief official is worried about the results that would happen. He's worried about his own performance and, and how that would be judged if Daniel goes on a hunger strike and he's supposed to be keeping him healthy. So Daniel goes out on a limb and says, please test your servants for 10 days. So he has this creative approach. It's maybe not what we expected. Daniel steps in and creates this opportunity. He says, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, then compare our appearance to the appearance of those who've had the other food. And let's just go from there. And then there's an agreement. And they try it. And in this case, God was glorified. And it brought out resolution to the problem and the conflict. Daniel suggests a creative possibility, all the while trusting God to make it work. You know, creativity is something that we're not necessarily always inclined to bring into conflict. When you think about conflict and pictures of conflict, you think about gray tones kind of black and white photography. Conflict is often colorless because color is often associated with joy. Joy, freedom, possibilities. And sometimes when we're in these conflicts, those things seem so far away. But creativity adds color. Think of two enemies that are squaring off against each other along the front lines. And the scene is completely in gray tones, but then someone brings in a bouquet of colorful flowers right between the warring parties. It does something to us when we envision that. It brings in possibilities of peace. 
It changes the scene. It shifts the tone. It opens up possibilities. And so, motivated and inspired by Daniel and his creativity, we consider the art of clean conflict. Peter Scazzaro says, a clean fight is a negotiation between two people for the sake of the relationship. It's two people in a negotiation to further the relationship, to save the relationship. It starts with this personal responsibility to be the peacemaker. Romans 12:18 is very instructive here. It says, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. That's always struck me as that, that, that truth and that, real, that reality that we can't always change other people or change their minds, but as far as it depends on me, I need to be committed to living in peace. I need to be committed to resolving conflict. And how you start off matters. Uh, Scazzaro notes in his, uh, in his book that 96% of arguments are determined in the first three minutes by how we introduce something, whether we just step in and start demanding or whether we make appeals that might be conditioned by mercy or thoughtfulness or purity of heart. It makes a big difference. So just like in painting, when we apply colors artfully through various brush strokes, in peacemaking, there are four brush strokes to use in the art of clean conflict that Peter Scazzaro lists in his uh, book, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. The first is a, is a brush stroke that begins with the words, I notice. This is that, that stepping into and, and bringing an issue up. I notice. What is it that you notice? The second brush that we pick up and apply that color in artful negotiation is I value. Now this truly is color. It brings something that's a surprise. Were we really prepared to talk about something good, something that we value? Go from the noticing to something that you value, the positive that you're going for, the the result that you're hoping for, the valuing of the relationship that is in conflict. The third is, I feel. That is bringing, bringing our emotions into it, letting someone know, communicating that. And then the fourth is, I request. It's a request. Like Daniel's appeal, it's one that, is, that's, that doesn't come in as a demand, but but is, is a sharing of the heart. It's a request, a hope. As we follow these artful brushstrokes in creative negotiation in the midst of our conflict, we can be empowered by Christ as pure-hearted peacemakers, developing skill in the art of clean conflict and navigating with artful negotiation. And as we do, we will gain from pain. Amen.